This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 88. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to have Linda Hollander come to the Baller Circle. Linda is an expert on corporate sponsorships. She helps people in a variety of industries find corporate sponsors for their live events, radio shows, podcasts, nonprofit organizations, book launches, and many more. I wanted to bring Linda on the show because I know a lot of us in the digital content space sometimes get confused about the options that are available for us for funding our businesses. And corporate sponsorship is something that I don't hear people talking a lot about. And I know Linda is an expert in that space. So I wanted her to answer some questions to give people who are in that digital content space, people who have blogs and YouTube channels and podcasts and and things like that, finding a different way of funding their businesses. Uh, and so, Linda, I'm happy to have you on the show. I want to know, if, did you want to add anything to that intro? Um, you know what? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm going to add something. You know, what? Uh, I want to add what sponsors will fund. So I do talk to a lot of people in the podcast world. So they will fund your podcast, your blog, if you do Facebook Live, if you want to write a book, if you want to speak, uh, if you want to do a magazine, because uh, magazines now, as you know, are online as well as the traditional hard copy magazine, as well as what people really can usually associate sponsors with and that's events and nonprofits and and things like that so uh sponsors are really really interested in the digital space right now nice nice and that's great news to hear because like i said i know a lot of people are are struggling and confused and sometimes running out of options for ways of uh of finding those sponsors uh, before we dig into the specifics of the sponsorship, though, I wanted to get more of a, a fuller picture of your background, kind of how you grew up and what exactly was it that brought you into the sponsorship space in the first place? Okay, I'd love to tell you that. Well, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, about 17 years. Uh, and uh, basically what I did was I entered the world of entrepreneurship and I started my own business and it made everything possible for me. I started it with my best friend and Cheryl and I met when we were 13 years old at recess uh, and we started a business and we built the, we both knew nothing. I was an art major. She was a cinema major. Uh, we just had it with working in terrible <laughs> situations with terrible bosses. And we knew that if we started something on our own, it would absolutely be phenomenal. Uh, so we started this business and, and, you know, even though we didn't know much, uh, we turned it into a multi-million dollar enterprise. And, you know, before I went into business, though, I was not in a good place. I was basically in the poverty trap. Uh, I was in tremendous debt that was just choking me. And in my personal life, I was with an abusive man. And I stayed in that abusive relationship for four and a half years because basically I had absolutely no confidence and thought that was the best I could do. But fortunately, one day I had an epiphany and I said, you know, I don't want to be a victim anymore. I want my life to make a difference. So uh, I fired my boss and I dumped the abusive boyfriend 
And three and a half weeks later, I met my husband, and he and I have been married for 20 years, and he is the kindest, most gentle person in the world. So, uh, all like I said, everything in my life changed when I started my business. I was able to move out of my little rent-controlled apartment and buy my first home as a single woman. I was able to travel the world. I was able to pay down that debt. Uh, but most importantly, I loved mentoring other entrepreneurs because I was running a business-to-business service. And people would come, uh, but they'd say, Linda, how do you do sales? How do you do marketing? Tell me. Uh, And so I wanted to start a women's small business expo to show other women how to get empowerment through entrepreneurship, how to start, how to succeed in their own small business. And I knew that I needed sponsors to make that happen. So my very first sponsors were Bank of America, Walmart, and IBM. Now, I need to tell you that I had never done an event in my life. I was working from my kitchen table. I wasn't in the business anymore. Uh, I had the cat as my employee. (laughs) That was it. Uh, And, uh, you know, I really didn't have a following. Uh, You know, I put my parents on my database and I put my brother-in-law. You know, they weren't going to say no. Uh, But, you know, I was able to get those sponsors. So people would come to the events, but they'd say, how are you getting these sponsors? I thought you had to be a, a big company and have all this experience experience and fan base. And I said, absolutely not. You can sell them on the concept, which is what I did. And so, you know, now that is what I do exclusively is I consult with people on how to get sponsors. Now, that's awesome. And I I love the fact that you, you know, you had this epiphany that brought you out of this terrible situation, got away from the abusive uh, boyfriend, uh, got out of poverty, got out of debt and, and all because you had had an idea. I'm curious uh, when you when you first uh, you, you started your original business and you said you didn't have any experience. How did you put together the pieces? What what did you use to find out um, the elements that you needed to grow that successful business and start it in the first place? <laughs> well, I had two. Uh, I had some experience, but it wasn't good. I had two failed businesses and art school training. So uh, you know, you learn a lot from the failed businesses. Um, basically. In the two failed businesses that I had, I was young and I was rebellious and I said, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it on my own. So with the business that did become successful, uh, I asked everybody I could ask. Uh, You know, I came to my father and I said, Dad, I want to start another business. And I mean, what do you think he said to me? He says, you're crazy. You've already got two failed businesses and you have no training in business. And, you know, uh, and so what I did was I did what you're doing. I created a community of people who could support me and hold my vision in light. And I got mentoring from anybody who was willing to give it to me. So, you know, that's that's the one thing that I would tell everybody. Whatever you're doing, you need mentorship. You need a support group. You need a group of people who will be your cheerleaders. And that's what did it for me. Nice. And I, I totally agree with that. I think mentorship is key. Having people around you that can encourage you is key. And, uh, and building that community is so important because you're going to need those people to, uh, to, let, to, to build your business off of. It's, it's, uh, it's essential to it. So when you, when you go into the corporate sponsor space, you talked about creating this event uh, and um, getting sponsors for the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious about how did you go about um, getting that first sponsor? And, you know, like you were talking about before, not having done an event before, how do you convince them on the idea? What what sort of things do you sell them uh, on and present to them if you don't have the experience? 
Okay, I'll tell you about my first sponsor and how I prepared for the sponsor. First of all, let me tell you how you can start, even you know, if you're just getting started, how you could get some great sponsors. First of all, I want you to do a lot of research about your demographic. Demographics are destiny in a sponsor world. So mine at the time was women business owners. So now what you could do is just go to Google or your favorite internet search and you do statistics and then whatever your market is. So I did women business owners and I found out some interesting things. I found out that women are starting businesses at twice the rate of men. I found that women business owners spend over $10.9 trillion every year in America. You know that women in America spend more than five countries combined. And the most important statistic that I found was that women make or influence over 85% of the purchasing decisions in this country. Now, that's what I presented to the sponsors, and that's how I got my first sponsors because uh, they were so enamored with the demographic and the purchasing power. So the definition of sponsorship is connecting a company to people who buy things. Write that down, connecting a company to people who buy things. So I showed these companies, hey, here's how I could connect you to the biggest spending block on the planet, which is women, uh, and they liked it. You know, even though I didn't have a whole lot of experience, I could prove to them that I could bring to them uh, some core consumers. And that's why sponsors are going to give you money. It's not because you have a podcast or a book or, you know, an event or whatever you're doing. It's because you can prove that you can add value to that company. And that's what I did. So let me tell you about my first sponsor. Uh, I am in Los Angeles and I was driving, but I was in a traffic jam and it wasn't moving and I was really cursing the traffic jam. I was saying things I couldn't repeat here, but then I look up and thank God for that traffic jam because there was a billboard for Bank of America. And at that time, I was doing Women's Small Business Expo. I don't do that anymore, but I did it for 10 years, uh, and it was all possible because of sponsors. But I look up, and there's Bank of America, and then there's a woman on the billboard. And I went back to my office and, you know, I kind of thought, hey, what if Bank of America could sponsor me? But then I started to self-sabotage like we all do. And I said, you know what, I'm just this little short Jewish girl with frizzy hair and an idea in my head. And I don't even know if the idea has legs. You know, who the heck am I to call Bank of America and pitch them? And first of all, they're not even going to take my call. They're not going to take me seriously. I will make a fool out of myself. I'm going to fail publicly like I did uh, before with all my failed businesses, which was not fun. Uh, and I talked myself out of it. But you know, my desire and my mission to help people was so strong that I couldn't let that idea go. So eventually, I got up the courage to make the call to Bank of America. And one person led me to another. And they led me to the right person who could sponsor me. So then what I had to do was uh, have a meeting with this guy. So, you know, at that time I had a clunker car. I had a really old car. So I parked the car two blocks down and I wore my one good suit. That you know, We all have that one good suit. And uh, I brought them my sponsor proposal. And here's what I did. And here's a hint for everybody looking for sponsors out there. Bring a few proposals because you want to encourage forwarding. You want to encourage that person to share your proposal with their team and their colleagues. Uh, because when you create a buzz in that company, you're going to be more successful. So I showed him my proposal. And he says, sure, we'll, we'll be your sponsor. And I had to act like I did every day. And, you know, I was nervous. My knees were knocking. Hopefully he didn't see it because there were a 
was a desk between us. And then he wanted to shake my hand <laughs> before I left his office. And my hand was so sweaty and so clammy. So I wiped off my hand, shook his hand. But then when I got in my car, I did the happy dance. And then I waved to all the Bank of America branches on my way home. And that is how I got my first sponsor. I had an idea and I took action on the idea and then that led to all the other sponsors that I've worked with. Nice. I love that story. And and it, it goes so uh, nicely with all the stories that I hear of people that I interview who are successful. They're all action takers. They're all people who don't wait until everything is perfect and they have, you know, every single piece of knowledge they could possibly have. They just, you know, start acting and, and you know, kind of fill in the gaps as they go. Um I'm curious when you're when you're saying that you you know you went through I guess a couple different people to finally get to the right person. When mm-hmm. people are thinking about creating these sponsor proposals, who are the right people they should be targeting? Yeah, ask, and how do they find out uh, those individuals? Ask for the marketing department, whatever company that you want as your sponsor. That's usually the best place to, to start. Now you may not up, end up in the marketing department. It may be something else like community affairs or public relations or uh, c- corporate communications or brand management, but see, not every company has brand management. Every company has a marketing department, and we love the marketing department because all the marketing department does all day is spend money to promote that company. So, uh, you know, the marketing department usually has a pretty good budget. So that is a good place to to start is the marketing department of whatever you company that you want as your sponsor. Okay. Sounds good. And that's a smart, I think that's a smart idea. Um, so another piece that I wanted to talk about is uh, when, we were, when we were discussing uh, things like Facebook Lives and, 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 and podcasts and, and, and blogs and promoting those sort of things, I know that we had a discussion before in which you were telling me that the best thing to do is not necessarily to directly uh, look for sponsorships for that particular medium type, but more as selling yourself as a media company. Can you can you explain that and, and the way people in this digital space should be presenting themselves to particular sponsors? Sure. Yeah, I work with a lot of podcasters, a lot of people who do, you know, radio, uh, have their own internet radio show, and they're selling, you know, in, in the old way. They're selling 30-second spots and 60-second spots, uh, and, you know, they're selling themselves as a podcaster or an internet radio host, and that's really not the way to be successful with your sponsors. When I work with a client, we reframe it, and we call it a media company, because really, that's what you're doing. You're a media company, because I'm Sure, beside podcasting, you do social media and you do you have other touch points with your core customers. So we want you to be a media company because podcasting and all those other things, it's a little too new. It's a little too cutting edge. And sponsors are very, very traditional. And we don't want them to pigeonhole you as a podcast. So you want to, instead of selling them the 30-second and the 60-second spots on your show, we want you to sell the sponsor a program that works year-round. We want you to go up and say, hey, Mr. Sponsor, Ms. Sponsor, here's how I'm going to promote you all year. It's not just with my podcast. I'm going to do email marketing. I'm going to do social media campaigns. I'm going to do video marketing. I'll do press releases. You know, traditional media is not dead and sponsors like traditional media. Uh, So you can do press releases very inexpensively. Uh, You could do so many things for your sponsors and all of those benefits that I just mentioned for your sponsors are very low cost, but they're very high perceived value to your sponsors. Uh, If you do any kind of 
teleseminars, webinars, any kind of internet trainings, you know, you could put those in the sponsor package. If you do live speaking, if you have a book, you know, you put it all in your package and say, hey, it's not just for that time you're on my show, but you are going to get a year-long promotion. So with the year-long promotion, you're going to be more successful with your sponsors because you're going to make more money. Uh, and you're going to get more of what we call renewals. Well, let's talk about renewals a little bit because I, when I found out about renewals, oh my God, I, that's when I started teaching this stuff. Renewals are your cash machine with your sponsors. So with renewals, if a company likes you, they will fund you this year, the next year, and the next year. And I know that this is possible because I've had multi-year contracts with FedEx and Citibank. And my clients have had multi-year contracts with Dole Foods and Black & Decker and Verizon, just to name a few. Uh, so that's why we want you to have sponsorship for the year. And we want you to frame yourself as a media company. Okay, so I like that, and I think that makes uh, perfect sense. And I'm thinking about for people that have, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of variation in frequency in which people post on social media, in which people put out podcast episodes or do Facebook Lives or things like that. Does that does that necessarily matter, the frequency in which you do it? Is there a sweet spot in which uh, sponsors like to see, um, you know, podcast episodes coming out, Facebook Lives coming out, blog posts being posted, new content? Yeah, you know, everybody thinks there's magic numbers in sponsorships. Like you have to have, you know, so many followers before you could go out and get your sponsors. You got to do so, you know, my speaker clients think they have to have their speaking calendar full. My calendar is not full. <laughs> uh, no way. Uh, and then my podcasters say, oh, well, you know, how often do I have to do the show? Do I have to have the outlines to all my show for the year and all that? There's really not a magic number. Uh, I think weekly podcasts are good. I think, you know, probably monthly. I don't think you want to go long. Longer than monthly uh, to get yourself in front of your listeners and your audience. So probably either weekly or monthly is the best. Okay, that makes sense. So I was at a podcast movement in Anaheim a few months back, and uh, one thing they were talking about there was doing seasonal podcasts. I know some people are doing that, like you know, one of the most popular podcasts out there right now, uh, the Serial Podcast. They do a seasonal podcast, so you know they put out one, you know, twelve. Uh, episode usually about twelve episodes a year, similar to a TV show, mm -hmm. um, and and you know having this download numbers that they have, I think they get a million downloads an episode. They can clearly com command uh, you know sponsorships for for something like that. Do you think that same model works for someone with uh, you know either no audience or a much smaller audience having a frequency uh, like that, where they're just doing a, you know a, a twelve episode season uh, once a year? Um, yeah, I think that could work really well. Now, it all depends on if your topic is a popular topic. And like you said, if there's interest in that topic, because remember, you do need some kind of an audience because with sponsorship, you're going to connect the sponsor to people who buy stuff. So it all depends on, you know, the, the relativity of your topic, uh, the desirability, and if people want to hear what you're podcasting about. But absolutely, I think that could work beautifully. Okay, okay. So when it comes to um, putting together your sponsor proposal and uh, sending that in, what sort of what are the elements that need to be in a, in a sponsor proposal? Sure. I'd love to talk about that. Now, your full proposal is about 10 pages. Your proposal brief is one to four pages, and I'll tell you the difference between the two. So first of all, let's talk about our full proposal. Now, the full proposal has certain things in there. It has the benefit packages, and we just kind of talked about the benefits. Uh, you know, here's, here's the benefits that I'm 
I'm going to give you as a sponsor. You know, we're going to give you visibility on the podcast. We could do an interview for you. We can, you know, uh, in in the email marketing that I do, I could promote you. Uh, you know, in my uh, one of my clients gets paid for blog posts and to blog about that particular uh, sponsor. So you put together the benefits, and if the sponsor does not see enough benefits, they will not fund you. So it's really important to have the right compelling benefits for your sponsor. Uh, a thing that you could do for your sponsor as a podcaster, and this works really beautifully, is contests. Contests are good because that gets people involved with the brand, and that is wonderful for podcasting. So you'll say, hey, I'm going to do some contests. I'm going to do some prize giveaways that feature your particular company. So you, you tell them your benefits. Of course, you want to tell them your demographics and about your audience. Uh, you know, So you want the hard numbers. You want the uh, data about, hey, here's the, the age range of the people that listen. Here's the gender mix. Are there more men? Are there more women? Here's their education. Here's their income range. And if you don't know that information, just kind of take your best guess at that information. You want to have the goals for the sponsors. The goals for the sponsors are not your goals. It's not, hey, I want money because I need to do more podcasts and I want to build my website and things like that. It's basically, hey, I want to educate people about your products and your services. I want to help you increase your customer loyalty. I want to help you grow your customer base. I want to help you drive sales and drive traffic. So those are the goals for the sponsors and make the sponsor the star. If you have testimonials, you want to put that in your sponsor proposal. You'll want to put your marketing plan in your proposal. And if you do not have a marketing plan, please make one. And it could be a half a page to one page. It doesn't have to be a 30-page document. But sponsors want to know, hey, how do you get the word out about this podcast? How do people find out about your podcast? And then the last thing that you want to put in your sponsor proposal is storytelling. And, you know, what are the trends in sponsorship is that it has become more competitive than when I started 17 years ago. And with storytelling, this is how you get past your competition because people think, oh, well, I'm sending this sponsor proposal to a big company and I'm going to put facts and figures and then it gets dry and dull and boring. But as a podcaster, you are a storyteller. So this should come really naturally to you. So you want to put your story, like that story that I told you in the beginning. And I put that in my proposal that I was in the poverty trap, that I was in abusive relationships. Because you're not sending it to a faceless corporation. A person is going to make that decision on whether to sponsor you or not. And you want to create that emotional connection. You want to show your humanity in that sponsor proposal. And that's going to put it over the top. So the full proposal is about 10 pages. And then the proposal brief is kind of your snapshot of what you do. And uh, it's also called the quick facts. Uh, That has no fees in it, no pricing. You know, you don't tell the sponsors how much money you want. But you give them an idea, a quick idea of what you do, because now a lot of people in sponsorship departments pick these up on their smartphones. So it's easy to read a short document where it's a little bit cumbersome to read a longer document on your smartphone. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about the money. I mean, you know, we were kind of the whole the whole purpose of this is to do all this stuff to get some sort of sponsorship, to get some sort of funding. What should people be asking for? What's reasonable uh, and what's expected in the marketplace? Sure. Um, so. Most of our clients get between 10000 
and $100,000 a year. And usually for the people getting started, I recommend the levels of $10,000, $25,000, $50,000, and $100,000. And remember, it's for the whole year. You're not asking for 12 episodes or, or whatever, you know, because you're not focusing it just on the podcast. You're focusing it on a very holistic, robust program of how you're going to market and promote that particular sponsor. And I know it sounds like a lot of money, uh, but first of all, charging too little in the sponsorship world can hurt you because then you are telling that sponsor that you have nothing of value. Also, sponsorship is kind of a team sport. Uh, so you're going to have a champion in the company who just loves you, but then they have to sell it to their boss and their colleagues and their team. Uh, so, you know, it's not worth their time if you're not asking for enough money. And, you know, uh, my husband and I, we watch Dancing with the Stars. So you can put uh, a commercial on Dancing with the Stars, but it gets to everybody from nine years old to 90 years old. Uh, and you have to keep repeating that commercial. And, you know, they just get a whole lot more bang for the buck uh, with, with sponsorship. So sponsorship is gro- is going up every year, whereas traditional ad spend is, is going up, you know, very little every year. So sponsorship uh, has gone up 50 50- 50% since the year 2004 and 100% since the year 2000. And in, it continues to go up every year between 5 and 10%, uh, the spending on sponsorships. So that sounds Absolutely. very encouraging. Um, when you... When you talk about the different levels, that you know, the 10,000, 20,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000, what, what are the things that the factors that matter uh, between what you, what you decide to ask for? Why? What makes the, the $10,000 proposal different than the $25,000 proposal and offering? Okay, great question. Uh, the key is engagement engagement. So when people think of sponsorship, they think of what's called visibility benefits. And the visibility benefits are really the lowest value benefits. That's putting the logo on your website, or if you do a live event, putting a sign up for that particular sponsor, because there's really no interaction and no engagement with the brand. So remember I mentioned contests. Uh, things like contests get you a lot more money, because then people are engaging with the brand. Social media, it's also a two-way communication uh, with that particular brand. Then we move up to media, and even though you are a media company, you can provide media for the sponsors beyond your own podcast. So, you know, if you could provide some traditional media for that sponsor. If you could go out and do other interviews uh, and things like that and promote that sponsor, that's where you move up in money. And then the highest level is called naming rights. Now, naming rights are whenever you see presented by or presenting, that is a naming rights sponsor. So I mentioned Dancing with the Stars. So one year they were presented by SlimFast and SlimFast was on every Thing. It was on the website. It was on the physical tickets that they printed up uh, for the Dancing with the Stars live tour. Uh, and, you know, the, the naming rights are very, very valuable. So the, you could get a lot of money for those. And remember, everything that I've just told you is very low cost or no cost, but it has a high value to your sponsors. Nice, nice. Well, Linda, I'm really glad to have you on the show. I think you provided a perspective that a lot of people don't consider when they're looking for ways of funding their business. And so I really wanted to talk about this. Um, the traditional ways just don't work for everyone. And, and it's it's great to have, it's great to know about what other options are out there so that you can, you know, tackle um, every single opportunity uh, and to, to go about funding your business. But I want to know before we close out, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business and your and your programs? 
Sure. Well, the best way is to go to my website. My company is Sponsor Concierge, and that is my website, SponsorConcierge.com. So go to SponsorConcierge.com. You can book a strategy session with me. Uh, It is absolutely free and complimentary to you. I absolutely love talking with people one-on-one and brainstorming, and you and I have even done some of that, uh, on how they can get sponsors. Uh, I also have a free gift for you on SponsorConcierge.com, and that is the number one secret to getting your sponsor. So so go there. Uh, you'll also find my phone number, my email. You can get in touch with me uh, directly. So go to SponsorConcierge.com and get the number one secret to getting your sponsors. Great. Well, thanks, Linda. I appreciate you. Appreciate the time. and appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, have a great day. Okay, you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet Baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers Podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.